Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is August 16th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is majesty. Now, when you think of majesty, we're thinking about the glory, the bigness, the awesomeness of God. But we're going to look at this at a little bit of a different angle. And so some questions for us to get us in the mood for this is when you're facing trouble, how do you see God? Do you see him as someone that watches from a distance? Is he approving or disapproving of your actions? Or do you see God as someone that will miraculously come to you in your trouble. The last question I have for you is, if God's coming for you miraculously, would you be willing to leave those troubles behind and join him in his miraculous work? We'll get to more of that question and what am I talking about in a minute. Let's go ahead and get started. And I want us to understand that determining our identity in relation to this world is crucial to human development. All of us in our development as people have had to learn and develop our identities. Who are we? And this usually happens during your teenage years, junior high, high school, maybe even college. They used to say, oh, you're just going to go out and find yourself. But today, that does not happen. A matter of fact, all you have to do is turn on the TV and look, or maybe just go down and look at the people at a grocery store Or maybe you even know what I'm about to say. But there are many 20, 30-year-olds, maybe even a few 40-year-olds. They are not accomplishing this task of discovering their identity like people used to in those teenage years. Now, why does identity have to do with God's majesty? Again, hold on, because you see, our world is full of trouble. I know this, you know this, but again, let's do a little review. We are seeing natural disasters, excuse me there, natural disasters. We're seeing wars. We're seeing medical crises. I think the pandemic is just one small sample of the medical crisis and crises that are facing our world. 
We have sexually transmitted diseases, drugs, addiction, violence, confusion, and even human enslavement occurring today all together and at rates that although these things existed 200 years ago, not at this level and not to this degree. And I share all this because knowing who you are in Christ, that's what prepares you and I for the unavoidable trouble in life. And yes, there is trouble in life. I meet people and they tell me that Christianity is a crutch and that, quote, you preachers that tell talk about this stuff, you're just scaring and manipulating people. Listen, don't be a fool or foolish. The world is full of trouble. Everyone will face some type of trouble or crisis in their life. It doesn't matter how rich and how secure you think you are. You will see people die in your life. You will come face to face with disease or diseases in your life. All of us have to fight it, either on us or someone we know. Some of us will face wars. Some of us will face addictions, violence, and even enslavement. Again, this is reality. You know, and God said he would never leave us or forsake us. And he's more than ready to meet us in our times of trouble and deliver us. However, that identity in him is huge because it's how do we see him? How do we relate to him? How do we relate to the world? It all comes from this identity. Now, if a person doesn't believe in God, they have no identity in Christ. And so they face the world and all the troubles in it only in themselves, in their flesh, and whatever vain philosophy, and I say vain because it is useless, it is a useless philosophy to attempt to, to face and deal with the litany of perils that are in this world. It's quite depressing, actually. And that brings me to this point about, as believers in Christ, because I always assume that most people listening to this Podcasts are Christians because there's nothing about it that appeals. I know God may be drawing someone, but most people that are listening to this are Christians. And the number of Christians that are suffering the same level of depression as the unsaved is bothersome. Now, that doesn't mean Christianity isn't real or God doesn't move. But when you investigate and you find out that many of these Christians don't exactly have the strongest walks. Now, I say that, and I've had people say, you're judging, you don't know, you haven't been there, you haven't experienced these things. I have had my share of troubles the same as everyone else has their shares of troubles. And I'm not saying I am perfect in everything. I have had my issues and my issues of, oh my gosh, it's really going to depress me. But I'm honest to say, in those points, when I find I'm depressed, is usually because I am honest enough to say, you know what, I'm not really seeking the Lord. I'm not really clinging to the Lord 
as I should. Now let's look at our scriptures. What does the word of God say about this? We're going to be looking at three scriptures today as normal from the uh, lectionary reading. And today we're going to start with Job. Not one of my personal favorite books. I have lots of favorite books. This is not one of them because Job is a very complicated book. But we're going to be looking at Job chapter 38 verses 4 through 18. And the Lord was speaking, and it starts, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut the seas with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling bands, when I fixed my limit for it, and set the bars and doors, when I said, Thus far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop, have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on a form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment from the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death have you comprehended the breadth of the earth tell me if you know all this now this is the lord speaking to job in a conversation near the end of the book of Job. I'm not here to teach on the book of Job or get into all the uh, nuances of it, but I could almost take this passage and lay it down to a few words. This is God saying, where were you? Where were you when I did this at creation? I love it. Where were you when I was creating the foundations of the earth or the universe. You know, do you know who determined the measurements? You know, our earth is 93 some odd million miles from the sun. Were you and I there when the plans are being drawn up on where to put the earth in relation to the sun, to the other planets? Those distances, exact calculations, were, were we there? Were we there when he was determining all the the quote numbers that sometimes these scientists and mathematicians like to quote, were they there when God was laying out all those universal laws of mathematics? You know, those mathematical laws isn't something God abides and works with. He created those laws and those numbers. He, he made those. I share all this because in this passage of God saying, what do you know? Were you there when I made the heavens and the angels sang? Um, but you see, it's putting some perspective into God. All through this passage, you're seeing God's ability and knowledge. And he's bringing up this understanding by saying, you know, we don't really understand. Were we there? Were we there when he made clouds? Were we there when he made seas? Were we there when he can stop and move the seas and put them where he wants them to go? Can, can we do that? Were we there? 
sometimes when you see all these environmentalists and these environmental issues and you get all the quote complex talk about it, we sometimes forget we need to step back and look at the big picture and the simplified picture, which is this. We as human beings cannot control the weather. We cannot control the ocean. We try to make seawalls and keep the, the waters from harming our, our beaches and, and, and fronts and, and all this stuff. But truth be known, when the ocean decides to get rough, when the hurricane comes, oh sure, we may have some stuff, but when it really gets down to it, it just it destroys everything we put out there. There is no seawall we can make that will stop the waves from the ocean. Not going to happen. Sure, on a calm day, we can, but when the ocean gets really riled up, it always destroys it. Look what happened during Katrina. You know, those all those those dikes, those dams, those seawalls, everything that was made that had been there for a long time. I know the excuses. Some of them were old. Some of them decrepit. The fact of the matter is, us as people thought they were fine until they were not fine. Everyone thought the Titanic was unsinkable until it sank. That's, that's the way it is. And it's laughable to think that if we stop using this or that, that we can change the atmosphere. What's really funny is the fact that in reality, no matter how much carbon emissions we make, it's not changing what's really happening. But let's get back into this. God's telling us that he understands everything. He made everything. He sees the big picture. He understands what you and I cannot understand. I mean, we can't understand the universe that he made, and, and but he does. But understand this. He understands our situations far better than we do. See, we think God doesn't understand where I'm at. Yes, he does. As a matter of fact, he understands the situation better than you and I understand our bad situation. And he can't be dictated to. Because he is the almighty God, creator of the universe. And when we try to tell him he doesn't understand, like Job did, this is his response. Where were you when I made this? Where were you when I did this? Tell me, if you're so smart, if you know so much about all these situations, can you answer these questions? Because if you can't answer these questions, how do you think I can't answer your question? You see, this is sort of us, this is sort of that sin nature in us rising up that we're actually trying to tell God we know better than he does. We understand better than he does. And when we do this, I know we're not, we're not verbally saying it and we can try to say I'm not thinking that, but it doesn't matter whether you're consciously thinking it or not. This is the sin that is rising by your flesh. You are telling God you know better. And if you know more than God, that makes you God. It's the same sin the devil passed on to Eve. If you eat this, you can be like God. It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's our it's our sinful flesh wanting to be God. We've got to come to grips with this because God, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than us. He understands these things. 
Let's look at another passage. This is in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 17. Romans 10, 5 through 17. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what it does say, the word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Oh man, there's there's so much in there. The Apostle Paul is writing. But again, let's take this in perspective. We're talking about the majesty of God, the greatness of God. And Paul's making it abundantly clear in this passage that Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord. He is the only way to be saved. We must call on his name. We must believe in our heart, confess with our mouth. If we call upon his name, we are saved. And you know, this is the greatest trouble that humanity is in. We need Jesus. We all need Jesus. He is the only answer to our sin problem. Now let's think about this. If Jesus is the answer to the sin problem, which which, which problem is that? See, it's not just He's the answer for a sin or some sins, but for all sin issues. All sin. See, I want to emphasize this because as Christians, we have this tendency to want to get religious. I know I've talked a lot about religiousness. Help us, Lord. But I talk about this a lot. Because we read this passage, we go, yes, yes, Jesus saved us for our sin. But, insert your situation. See, we want to insert one of those, those, those problems. A disease, pestilence. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm being controlled by someone. I'm being manipulated by someone. I, I'm, I'm in financial issues. Um... You know, I've got addictions, I've got this, I've got that. On and on and on. And we don't want to think that Jesus' death on the cross is a solution to that problem. 
I once had a friend that was witnessing to someone and uh, that person had a spouse who had cancer and he wanted to pray for healing. And the person was like, going, yes, yes, I, I know God can, but this is cancer. And then my friend would witness about the power of God and the person would go, yes, yes, I believe that, but this is cancer. And no matter what he would say about how great the Lord is, the person's response was always, yes, but this is cancer. And you see what they were really saying from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What they're really saying is that cancer is bigger than God. Oh yes, God can do anything, but this is cancer and he doesn't heal cancer. Now, yes, some people will get cancer and some people will die of cancer. There are people I've prayed for that have died from cancer. I don't understand. There have been other people I've seen with cancer that we've prayed for and within hours, they were completely healed. Tumors disappearing are falling off their bodies. It's, it's, I mean, crazy things. Listen, you and I are not called to understand all things. That's what God was telling Job. Tell me if you know all this. We were not made to know all these things, nor does God tell us he's going to tell us about how all these things work. He just tells us how we need to live and operate, but we need to leave the results to him. We expect him to do things, but ultimately the results is to him, and he sees a bigger picture. We're not to play judge on those things. We're just to do as we've been told, which is to pray for the sick. God heals them, we pray. We, we, we get to... You celebrate in the miracles, and when we don't, we we sit there and comfort those through those situations. Ultimately, the ultimate healing is to go and to be with Him. So, I know that doesn't sound very reassuring, but the day you stand before Him, you might have wished people had quit praying for you so you could be with Him. Now, I'm not about killing people. Don't get me wrong on that. But I'm just saying, in perspective of eternity... Being with him is the ultimate healing. And he never, as his scripture says, will put you to shame. And that brings me to this next point I want to share. Because sometimes we don't want to deal with this stuff because we're afraid that if we step out, that he's going to somehow fail us and we're going to be shamed. We're going to look like fools. Listen, no one who calls upon the Lord will ever be shamed. Now, I've done my fair share of stupid things that when I look back, maybe God didn't really say that. But in admitting that, it's like God grew me and matured me because all of us, you, me, and even Mr. Religious Pharisee out there who's using this sort of admission and go, you see, you're just wrong in your theology. No, all of us have got to grow and mature. And like any child growing and maturing, you make mistakes. God, it's like, it's like a baby learning to walk. As a parent, you're not sitting there scolding your baby, your toddler, as they're trying to take their first steps and they fall down. No, you're encouraging that baby. You want that little boy, that little girl to get up and walk. And you keep encouraging them. You keep saying they can do it. It's no different in our Christian life. We're all babies to the Lord trying to learn how to use a spiritual gift. Yes, it is the Holy Spirit working through. It is a manifestation 
of the Spirit. And yet, there is this point where, because he's moving through us, there is this point that you and I play a part of responsibility in that. And as such, we will sometimes make mistakes because we don't know. We think we do and we're, we're, we're learning and growing, but we will make mistakes and the Holy Spirit will teach us because he is the teacher. He is the ultimate teacher, not a man. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. And he, and he grows and matures us. We fall down, we get back up, we keep walking. We keep walking with him. That's why in Scripture it's a walk with the Lord because when we stumble, he's there to pick us up and we continue the walk. We don't quit. We continue the walk. Now I want to read our last scripture here. Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 33. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. So he said, come. And Peter had come down out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, we were just talking about walking and not falling down, or when you fall down, you get back up and keep walking. Here in Matthew, we have Peter doing the same. He's going to walk on water, and he, he, he slips and falls. But I want us to, again, we're talking about the majesty of God. This is that word, majesty. We've already seen God created the universe and he's created all things and where were we? And 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 now we've seen him in, in Romans. He is the Savior. He saved us from all sin. If we would just call upon his name, he is there. And now we have this passage here in Matthew. Let's consider some things. You know, Jesus, this chronologically, when this is happening, Jesus has just learned. This has happened before, if you read a little bit before Matthew 14, before all this happens, Jesus has just learned that his cousin John the Baptist has been killed. He was close to John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was the first baptized in the Holy Spirit. He, when Jesus met him and they were both still in the womb, Jesus baptized John the Baptist in the, in, in the Holy Spirit. They were close. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. They were close. Now Jesus, as a human is dealing with his cousin being killed. He's grieving, but you know he doesn't have time to grieve because he has to turn around and he fed over 5,000 people. Now, the Bible says 5,000 men plus women and children. So that 5,000 does not count women and children. If there was just one woman and one child for every man, that'd be 15,000. There were probably not one woman for every man. But for every woman there was for a man, I bet there was more than one child on average. 
They had large families back then. There was no birth control. So 15,000 would be a small number. I've heard, you know, there's estimations all over the place, but 20, 25,000 would not necessarily be far-fetched. But Jesus fed them. He fed them all. And then after he's fed them all, and not only did he feed them all, he, he healed them. He healed them of all their ailments. Drove out demons. And now he's tired. And he wants to pray. He does not go to sleep. He wants to pray and he sends the disciples ahead of him. He wants to be alone to pray what his disciples think is to refresh himself. But he doesn't sleep. He goes up to pray. And as he's praying all night up on this mountain or this hill, most likely he can see the storm. It rolls in. Now, not only can he see, but God knows. Jesus knew when he sent them on the boat that there was going to be a storm. There was going to be trouble for them. He knew that. He sent them knowing into that. Let's remember this. So he's up on the I know it doesn't say that in the scripture, but you, you, you got to know you can see a storm. I live in Texas. When thunderstorms roll in, we can see it coming. We can see it coming from a long way. If you're anywhere where there's desert or desert mountains, you can see long ways. You can see that rain. You can see the storms rolling in. So he, he could see the storm rolling in. One of the other gospels says he could see them in trouble when he went to them. So here they are. They're fighting for their lives. Here, you know, Peter's a fisherman. James and John are fishermen. They, they're experts on how to handle a boat. They've done that their whole life. I'm sure they're telling Matthew, tax collector, who probably knows nothing about boats, what to do. Some of the other disciples. And yet in this moment when they're fighting for their lives, I'm sure they were screaming out something like, Work! Bail! I mean, whatever it is they need to be doing. I'm sure that they were screaming orders to them because their lives were in danger so here they are and jesus does what he goes to them this is the god comes to you in your time of trouble and when he comes it's miraculous i mean jesus well, we have no idea what does it look like when he came down out of, off the mountain did he fly off did he walk down like a normal person we don't know it doesn't say because no one saw him but when they did see him, he was walking on the water. He got on the water. And this isn't still water. This is like a sea in a storm with large waves crashing. And he's walking on these waves and through these waves to them. And they see him and they freak out and call him a ghost. Now, why do they call him a ghost? Because they fell back into their old Wives' tales, their old philosophies, their old belief system. I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that ghosts are real. They're all evil spirits, they're all demons. There are a number of Christians that were beginning to think ghosts and things like this are real. Listen, they're demons. There's nothing new under the sun. But you see, the pagans believed this sort of stuff. See, this was human stuff, and they, they fell back on it. I've seen Christians, they fall back on their old fleshly beliefs when they get in trouble. That's the temptation we face, to fall back. Of course, Jesus says to them, be of good cheer. Some of those translations, it says, be valiant, be brave. And he says, don't be afraid. It's almost just like 
Joshua, when he was told, be strong and courageous. Jesus is saying this. Now, listen, the word of God does not return void. So Jesus just gave them a word. And immediately we see what? Peter responds and says, Lord, command me and I'll come. You see, Peter has already he heard the word. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. Jesus has now spoken. Peter's received that word and suddenly faith, strength wells up in him. He's no longer saying we're going to die and it's a ghost. Something has entered into him. It's the word of God, word of Jesus. And he's like, well, if this is you, command me to come out on the water. Listen, for a fisherman in that situation to jump out of a boat, that's death. Fishermen know this. Fishermen in, in the oceans today, in the middle of a storm, they know if you fall off the boat in a storm, you're most likely going to die. Especially if you're in a part of the sea, Bering Sea, the North Sea, a uh, place where the ocean water is cold, you're only going to live a few minutes. I mean, it's, it's death. It's bad stuff. And yet Peter says, if it's you, command me to walk out there with you. You know, I think Jesus says at one point, you know, just maybe, if we want to be his disciple, we must take up our cross and follow him. The cross was an instrument of death. Peter was willing in that moment to die for Jesus. If this is Jesus, my life is over and I'll walk to you. Jesus, that's faith. Jesus calls to him and Peter walks. But in walking out there, we all know the story. He looks at the storm and begins to sink. Believers, you and I, sometimes we, we take our eyes off the Lord and we look at our circumstances. And we doubt. We doubt because instead of looking at the majesty of God, there's our word, majesty. We need to be focused on the majesty of God because the majesty of God is bigger than the world. The majesty of God is bigger than our trouble. The majesty of God is bigger than the sin problem we have. It is bigger than any situation we can be in. The majesty of God is better. And Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Go back to Romans. If you will call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Peter cries out and Jesus extends his hand. Listen, I've, I'm, I'm not doing the Psalms anymore in these teachings. I'm doing those in little, little snippets, little YouTube shorts. If you check out on YouTube, I put out these shorts with the Psalms. And the Psalm this week talked about you get in trouble and you cry out to God and God becomes angry. And smoke comes out of his nostril and fires out of his eyes and he, and he rips open heaven and he jumps on a cherub and he rides down with a hailstone and lightning and destroys the enemy and he reaches out his hand and plucks you from the depths. I mean, that is awesome. That is the majesty of God and what he wants to do for you and I. Yeah, God gets angry. God gets angry when someone messes with those that he loves. And he loves you and he loves I. Me. He loves I. That's funny. I'm getting tongue-tied here. But all we have to do is cry out. So what do we rely on when we get in trouble? You know, sometimes God wants us to face trouble. You know, he sent those disciples out in the boat knowing full well they were going to be in a storm. His desire was that they arrive to the other side through the storm. 
You know, it, there's another instance and another time when Jesus was in the boat with these guys and there was a storm and he was asleep and the same thing happened, only he was in the boat asleep. The same thing is true. He rebukes them for their lack of faith and their doubt. Because if he commissioned you to do it, you will accomplish it regardless of the storm that's raging around you. We should be more mindful of our mission than we are of the storm. We should be looking upon the majesty of God, the commissioning that he's given us, and understanding that we can go through, because he's made us more than conquerors, anything that's before us. And if your boat begins to sink, all you got to do is cry out to him and you will be saved. But I really think that there's miracles that he's wanting to do. I think maybe there was a miracle he wanted to do with that boat getting across, but their lack of faith missed it. They still got a miracle because that's what God does. This is what God does. He wants to do miracles. But I think sometimes he wants to do other things. How did I, I can say that because I got saved and it was miraculous. How did you get saved? Was it miraculous? Did Jesus do something miraculous to meet you, to change your life? Yes, he, he did that. He came to you through all those circumstances. And he's wanting us to partner with him to do those sort of things every day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, God. I thank you that you are the God of the miraculous. Lord, I thank you that your majesty is bigger than our problems and our situations. Help us to see you, God, in these situations. Help us to put our faith in you. Help us to cry out to you, God, that you would pull us out miraculously and you do great things with us. Lord, help us to work with you in these situations and to see your glory done in this earth. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this podcast, for these other teachings. You can check out many, many more at our website at www.christianimpact.net. Please check out what our ministry is about. Check out our training. And until next time, God bless. <music>